0: Jolie, your branding badass, and welcome to my new podcast, Branding Matters. My guest today is Matt Scullerud, the president and founder of Pink Media, a revolutionary company that specializes in LGBTQ plus online marketing. Back in 1995, when the internet was just in its infancy, Matt launched GayWire.com, which quickly skyrocketed and became one of the top three LGBTQ websites worldwide. I invited Matt to be a guest on my show today to chat about Pink Media and what they do differently that helps brands reach the LGBTQ market. I also wanted to talk about stereotyping and why brands really need to avoid it. But, most of all, I was so curious to hear how Matt became known as the accidental social media star thanks to his popular new online show called I Love Gay Today. Matt. Welcome to Branding
1: Matters. Well, thank you. It's great to be here with you.
0: I love the fact that we are two strangers and the internet and more specifically, social media brought us together. This is great. Yeah. And I'm really excited to have you here today. Thank you. So let's get right into it. You're the president of Pink Media. So what inspired you to start this company?
1: I mean, I'll try to give a short version of a longer story, which is, you know, once upon a time I was an engineer, so I was always very kind of geeky. and
0: Oh, you're kidding. And, I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, aerospace, oh, okay. as a matter of fact, so totally different world. I was working in R&D, got really bored and went into sales and uh, I found that explaining technology to folks uh, started, became kind of rather easy to me. I, I had this whole research and development background and I was able to bring it out in the field and the internet came along and I thought, well, what should I do? I should start, I want to create something on, online and I don't want to do it in the world of manufacturing that I'm in. That's that's boring. So let's try something totally new that I know no one in. And uh, so I created a website back in 95 called getwired.com and uh we succeeded, I think, just because I was comfortable with technology, programmed it and built it myself, thinking everybody was going to build this because it was so easy to do, but they didn't. And then the other piece was I was able to kind of take my those skills of learning how to take technology and talk to people about it, and so I was talking to folks about the internet and how they can build a website and promote and advertise themselves. And we grew into one of the largest uh, LGBT websites back in nineties and early two thousands.
0: That's amazing. So, what was Gay Wired? What was the sort Gay of? Wired
1: was kind of um. It was those that, those early days of a portal. So it was a it was a website with content. And we had writers, and so we had all this editorial. And then we built like a personal system so that people were able to go on and post the message boards, create profiles, meet. So it was one of those types of sites back in the day before social media. You know, we'd be able to keep people on a site like that for over an hour, just reading and messaging and meeting other people. And so we actually created, we had Gay Wired, and then we had one for the women called She Wired. And so- <laughs> Yeah.
0: That's amazing. And, so that yeah, was I mean, sort of, you would describe it as, uh, I guess, like what Facebook groups are today or social media groups are
1: today. Kind of, yeah. It's are a it? combination of the way a lot because back then you had to do everything yourself, but it was a kind of a combination of content and not just personals, but that whole sense of community, like people belonging to something. But we sold it to Hear Media and Hear Media in 2006, they ended up buying all the rest, Gay.com, Planet Out, the magazine's Advocate out. So they brought everything under one roof. And so then I left and continued on, left the websites behind, but continued on doing what I enjoy, which is just helping companies figure out how to target and reach their the, the folks they're trying to advertise to online. And so we've been doing that ever since, and that's how Pink Media was born.
0: Okay. So it was sort of this natural progression. And so tell me about Pink Media. So you help brands reach their target audience, specifically in the LGBTQ community, Correct.
1: Yeah, we wanted to be one of the best at something. So rather than just trying to apply these skills to, to anybody and everybody, we decided to stay very focused. And especially since we started, you know, the whole thing started in 95 LGBT community. We said, let's stick with this. But it's, the but the rules are the same, which is just initially we were just helping companies banner ads, email campaigns, things like that, just on other sites. But then social media started to come along and grow. And so we grew up with it. And in today's world, that's a big part of it, which is now it's it's grown up to a point where it's all about this data. And, and you know, at the end of the day, Facebook knows a lot about us. And, um, and so that way, the upside is, is that we're able to actually get a, a client's message out to specifically not just an LGBT audience, but maybe a, an LGBT traveler who has shown an interest in traveling to New York or Palm Springs. So you can really drill down. It started with Facebook, but now it's kind of ubiquitous all throughout the internet and in digital advertising with all this data and targeting. And so we just sort of grew up with it all and, and learned along the way. And so we help clients navigate all that.
0: Wow. And just specifically the LGBTQ community.
1: We get projects that are outside of that once in a while, but we try not to deviate. You know, we we try to, we stay still, everything we do is still staying focused relationship wise and everything, LGBT.
0: Yeah, awesome. That's amazing. So when it comes to branding, what would you say is the biggest difference in the way your clients target the LGBTQ community versus the general population?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, once upon a time, it all started with imagery and so forth. So that's where it goes down this whole path as far as, you know, because uh, some folks get tired of seeing LGBT advertising always showing bare-chested men or, you know, it's, it's, it's it's all a stereotype. But I would say that even though this isn't, this is kind of where some transition and things are still kind of happening. But I would just say that it's more important nowadays where, you know, all that user generated content out there and brands that are able to start leveraging and figuring out how to not just advertise themselves and throw that, try to pick the right imagery and put it out there, but to figure out who their fans and audience are and stay engaged with them and then figure out ways. And there are ways to be able to leverage their content and their posts into kind of like this overall modern version of a, you know, marketing, social media outreach plan. Mm -hmm. And that way you don't have to worry about it because everything is authentic at that point. Nobody has to think about, is this authentic, not authentic because it's all from real people.
0: Right. So how do brands go to market without stereotyping? Because like you said, you talked about like the bear chest guy or with the gold chain yeah. or which, by the way, are back in fashion. My Both of my <laughs> sons are wearing like their gold chains. It's pretty funny. So how do they how do they not stereotype?
1: Well, at first, they, uh, one of the early things to understand is just that we're not all the same. So mm-hmm. so one big part is that, you know, it's uh, <laughs> anybody and everybody is part of the LGBTQI plus community. And so Aren't we there's... all a
0: little queer really. I mean, come on, let's be honest. <laughs> and, so,
1: <laughs> right? and I think that's what the world is learning is that yeah. all these boxes that we that we, you know, even the thing, the idea of generation X and boomers, they're all boxes. And so I think over over time people are Realizing, especially with social media, how how widely varied and different. There's gay parents. There are gay men that will be single forever because they love living this lifestyle. They run off to Puerto Vallarta and make new friends along the way and they travel. And then there's others that are more just as traditional and boring as their heterosexual counterparts. And so it's just understanding all that and knowing that when you get into it, anyone and everyone is kind of represented in the LGBT community. And so it, then it goes back to who do you really want to reach? And so then that way, a lot of the stereotypes kind of wash away because then a lot of it is... like. like. Like if they're reaching gay parents, it's not that different from their straight parents that they're trying to reach as well. A lot of the same things fall into place. It's just that the imagery, you know, but the imagery wouldn't be bare-chested men at that point. Then it's just two dads and the more real they look, the better.
0: Yeah, well, you see a lot more of that now too. You see that on TV, you see that on social media, on marketing. I I think of like an Ikea ad when they show a montage of all different families. And I actually love that because they show all the different families and they see, you know, two men together, two women together. I mean, it's just, it's not, it's, it's almost a non-issue really, right? It's just part of it. So talk to me about when a client comes to you, what are their challenges and how do you help guide them to their target market?
1: Yeah, well, usually, like Why would
0: somebody come to
1: you? It, it, it all has been an evolution. You know, once upon a time, we used to work directly with ad agencies because agencies, they would have to deal with website owners and so forth uh, one-on-one. So we kind of helped and navigate all that. But technology has grown up to a point where these companies use technology in order to be able, it's called programmatic advertising or even just targeting on Facebook and other social media. So a lot of companies have figured out that they can bring a um, through an agency, they can do a lot of this in-house. So what that means is that what we need do is be able to work more direct with the client as opposed to an agency. So if a client comes to us, they'll usually say, Hey, I've got this story to tell, or I've got this message I want to get out. And, but from a bigger picture point of view, a lot of times they'll start out very broad because they don't really know the opportunities that are there. So they'll just say, I want to reach gay people. And we say, well, we could reach LGBT. There's a lot of variants. And uh, a lot of times they don't even know that they could reach specifically travelers. So the more that they're educated, a big part of our job is just to educate them about the opportunities that are there for them, that they could that they could really reach folks that are interested in sports or people, uh, an LGBT audience that's interested in museums and all the, different, all the different aspects of life. And then the more that they understand that and that, that they can target or they can reach those folks, that's where all of a sudden things become fun because then it's just like now, What do we, we roll up our sleeves and figure out how to reach them.
0: And is that where you would work with the ad agencies to come up with creative for that?
1: Usually at that point, hopefully bypassing an agency. So uh, the only, the only time it comes in is if an agency will sometimes have created the ad banner units or the graphics or the the messaging, then we'll work with them. But in general, a lot of times the client already has that. And then we're able to just to work direct and, and bypass an agency for that.
0: Okay. So then you guys do the creative as well?
1: We'll work with partners that if they need the creative. It's, it's very rare that we're actually ever asked uh, to develop creative. Nine times out of 10, the clients already have that in place, whether they worked with uh, a larger agency overall or just a creative agency. A lot of companies do so much in-house now, including a lot of uh, ad buys, all that stuff with mm-hmm. programmatic, where they can sit in front of a computer and place banner ads on a variety of different websites and, and merge data into that you know, that used to be the world of just agencies only would be able to handle something like that. But now you're finding that more and more companies that started with like the Procter & Gamble's of the world, but now more and more companies, smaller and agile are able to easily have access to that and it's very understandable. So then what they'll do is they'll, they'll place their their banner ads and their social media campaigns on Facebook and they'll do all that through kind of a single interface. Things have really evolved over the last few years. and so we just try to find our place in being able to help just the right client that does need assistance in, uh, in that in navigating some of that.
0: Hmm. and i bet technology has a big role in that too right has really. made a big difference in that
1: <laughs> technology really really completely turned i would say turned it a lot of it upside down and uh right. and it's not, it's not always talked about because at the end of the day a lot of the folks that were in that industry are just simply they just have kind of moved on the ad agency world is is a much smaller has a much smaller footprint because it's, it's either done in-house and a lot of the reasons they did it in-house because they learned how to do it on facebook with all this targeting and they said hey i can use those same skill sets and now use this other software and place my banner ads or do email campaigns and and uh so it just continued to spiral Mm -hmm.
0: wow so what would you say is the biggest challenge facing brands today when it comes to penetrating the lgbtq market no pun intended
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah no it's just uh at the end of the day is it's uh the challenge is just simply being able to understand, you know, cause sometimes I have sat down with clients that, that have said, and you know, I, I'm even leery about wanting to, to state this, but they'll say like, I don't want to reach transgender people because I, I want the campaign to just reach gay men or lesbian women, but no tra- because I I'm afraid. And, you know, there's because, you know, they just, they, they see these things in the media, maybe they're not part of the community and they see things, they see things that uh, they don't understand it as challenges they want to avoid. And so we often tell them that's, that's really the wrong, like that's, that's the wrong approach. You're going to be putting a campaign out there. You're going to be reaching all sorts of different people. And you, you can't be afraid of that. And if you get a little pushback, especially on social media, just be prepared for that and don't fight with people and just try to take it in and be constructive in, in how you respond to things. But it is always interesting in today's day and age when they, when some marketers see things out there that, that they're not quite as comfortable with they, they They'd like to think they're more in control and that they could kind of set up little walls and, and make it so that their campaign is only viewed by a certain type of person. And even though you can't do all this targeting at the end of the day, the idea of being able to differentiate between, you know, gay men and transgender on uh, using technology is almost non-existent.
0: And I would think, especially today with my son, I've been very educated on terminology and whatnot. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. between gay, lesbian, pansexual, transgender, I mean, there's just so many that how would you be able to just compartmentalize and say, well, we just want, you know, the gay man, but not, you know, the trans or the pansexual. and Right?
1: Then you can. And that's, uh, <laughs> I guess, to, to further elaborate on that point, there is no targeting that's available, right? Uh, whether in a lot of countries, it's just not even legal. Uh, it's in Europe and so forth. But even in the US, it's just, it's not done. So you can't actually say, oh, I want to read a pansexual person. I want to reach a. You can't even really say I want to reach a gay man or a lesbian woman. You used to be able to at the very, very beginning, but that all went away really quickly. But what you can is you can infer. You can say you can't say I want to reach males, and then I want to reach males that have shown an interest in pride festivals or. Atlantis cruises or so forth. So you're, you're basing it on interest. So you know you're reaching gay men, but you're not specifically targeting a little checkbox that said that's a gay man. And so that's why reaching bisexual, pansexual, transgender is a challenge because then you have to do a lot more inference to be able to figure out how am I going to reach them. It's doable, but you have to be much more creative.
0: Oh, I bet, and is there an assumption that because you're gay, you follow a certain set of values?
1: <laughs> yes, <laughs> I, yeah. mean, I, mean, I mean we are all learning that uh you know the LGBT community is learning that uh we're not all liberal and we, they don't right I know, but we like to believe that we all do and so it's 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 kind of a slap in the face for someone, especially on Twitter and they find out that there's they're learning through surveys that it, you know upwards of maybe like thirty percent of our community in the us. Are Trump supporters, or at least, or at least it's it's to some degree, and so Mm -hmm. it's it's shocking to a lot of these folks. But they have to realize it's because we are just a, we're just a subset, or I was going to say a microcosm, but we're a part of the the greater community at at large. And so we have to accept that there's a lot of uh, LGBT folks who are very rural and and don't live in the urban cities uh, under that other stereotype. They like country life, and there's there's a number of them out there, and they're much more visible.
0: Did you the see Brokeback Mountain?
1: Yeah, Brokeback oh. Mountain, of course. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I love that movie. I mean, and that was pretty avant-garde because how many years ago was that? Like over 10?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, probably about 15. It I just brought that movie. up
0: because you mentioned the rural and it made me think of that.
1: They, they bring the whole rodeo world into it, but there's a whole gay rodeo association. They, they have gay rodeos all over the country that are yeah. just gay men on the backs of these horses, you know, and uh, the rest of us are looking, well, how do they do that?
0: It's great. I love it. Well, you know, I, I've, I mention it all the time, being a mom of a child who's in the LGBTQ community, I I love that he's growing up in the time that he is because he is very open and all his peers are very open and accepting. I think it'd be a different world 10, 20, I don't know, even five years ago. Have you noticed there's been a big change? I mean, if I may ask you when you came out and what that was like and what challenges you faced? Yeah.
1: I mean, I think it's really different. And I mean, I grew up in, in LA in the city, so people always assume, oh, it's so much easier and- Big city versus small town. I don't mm-hmm. think it was. And uh, I was 26 when I finally, I mean, I was figuring things out somewhere on 21, but it wasn't until 26 years old that I finally realized, like, you know, I'm gay and I have to, you know, accept that and not try to, you know, we, we go through our own journeys, you know, I mm-hmm. would be able to figure out, like, well, maybe it'll kick in somewhere along the way. And, um, Cause, cause Were you no hoping
0: not there. to be like when you when you I've heard stories where people are, you know, there's been that big popular thing with um, yeah. Colton from The Bachelor. Right. And he yeah, talks about yeah. how he wanted to he's to pray the gay out of him. And, you know, he really struggled and I mean, thought about suicide and all that stuff. So yeah, did you yeah. ever wish
1: you weren't or I don't um, I, I would say probably yes and no. I mean, I would say it was definitely anything, nothing conscious that was that strong. But I definitely mm-hmm. I, think, I think especially generationally, anyone who's who's kind of grown up in the sixties, seventies, and eighties, since, since things aren't as they are as accepting as they are today. And so you, you definitely knew you were different and it was also not just different, but considered by society as wrong and nobody wants to be wrong and nobody really wants to be different. And so right. most of us don't. And so I remember kind of thinking like, no, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm sure it's just something that, uh, you know, there's, like I said, very few role models or anything, any, there's very little, the, uh, roadmaps to, to look at from others. So I was just trying to figure this out on my own as well as millions of others. But nowadays, I think that's the, not only is there, is there a greater understanding and acceptance in most of the world, but also it's just that there are a lot of, I don't even want to say role models, but just people that we see that have, that have come through this. And I think it really helps so that somebody who is 16, 17, 18 years old has an easier time to look at that and say, oh yeah, I I'm comfortable that that's who I am.
0: Do you think most of the world though, or do you think mostly North America? I mean that's it's sad when you think about other countries like Russia and some of the, you know, Muslim yeah. countries where it's illegal still, right?
1: it's it's really tricky and that's also like yeah. a um, when I say the rest of the world, I'll, I'll refer like Western Europe, Australia, yeah. but even like when you go to places like Argentina and Latin America, it, it varies around the world. And it also yeah. varies a lot based on age group demographics, because nowadays young people all over the world are growing up, communicating and collaborating with each other through these mediums. And this has been going on for a long time. They said in the 80s, there was, or in early 90s, there was that MTV generation where everybody around the world for the first time was kind of watching a lot of the same programming will never happen before. So that started the trend of young people growing up having more in common with each other around the world than they did with older people that were their neighbors. So I think that that trend has continued on where now it's gone not just from internet but it's gone all the way into social media and not just communicating but to collaborating. They share ideas and they engage with each other. So I think it's such a different world that I'm when I'm on Twitter I'm engaged with people in India and a lot of places that you wouldn't immediately expect oh there's a there's a thriving LGBT community there and it's different but yet they still share a lot of the same hopes and dreams and values, and you're able to have discussions with them that, are, that feel like you're talking to somebody in North America.
0: Honestly, that's one of the best things about social media, as far as I'm concerned, is really bringing that sense of community for people who, you know, may not feel that they have anywhere where they can go to be themselves, but at least they can find their community online and social media particularly and join these groups and have these conversations. So that's a huge plus. Thank you for sharing that with us, by the way. I I know sometimes I can get really personal, so I appreciate (laughs) you being, opening up and sharing that with me. So let's talk about the LGBTQ Marketing Symposium. What is that?
1: Well, we developed that. That almost 15 years ago, too. it was uh, it was one of those things that just happens organically. I, I work a lot with different partners in the industry that you know that have different skill sets. And so one of them is community marketing and they're based out of San Francisco, and he and I have uh, spoken at conferences a lot together. But we found at a lot of conferences that they weren't really touching on the world of advertising, marketing, and and his focus was more on research and ours was more on strategy and social media and just internet in general. So we ended up uh, collaborating to, to put something together that didn't exist, a conference in New York that was just dedicated to bringing different speakers in that could talk about event marketing and print and digital and all the things that were going on. And so it just continued to grow. We actually grew it from a day into a whole week's worth of programming as long as we always bring up the right speakers and you know and mix it up in terms of having folks talk about influencer marketing nowadays and what's going on with TikTok and podcasting and so forth there's always there's always a strong interest from folks to be able to, uh, to attend and learn and meet people that can help explain these things to
0: them wow yeah that's great so you have been referred to as an accidental social media star. I found that out, and I thought that was so interesting. Can you tell me about that? How did that happen, and what's the story yeah. behind that?
1: That's funny, that's from my friend uh, Nicholas Snow. He, uh, he, and he, had, and I have known each other for probably like the full time, twenty five years at least. We met because he was doing a, a cable television show, gay, uh, called. Uh, the notes from Hollywood, and before that, he had some other some other iterations. But so anyway, he's okay. He's been- quite a character,
0: by the way. I did see one of his videos. I think the one that you were on with him, and he's yeah. quite a character. Great oh, guy. He is. He seems like it. Yeah.
1: You know, I was always more the internet guy and building the website stuff, and he was always uh, doing these these shows. So next thing you know, 2020 comes along and uh, pandemic had shut down. And I just sort of kept myself I thought, well, I'm going to try something. So I started creating these interviews online with video just to kind of see what would happen. And next thing you know, they sort of took off. And so that was how we referenced it because I didn't do it with any intention of becoming a social media star or having having these videos uh, take off the way they have.
0: Was that the yeah. I Love Gay Today show or was that yeah. before that?
1: No, I Love Gay Today. We just- uh, Okay, let's talk about uh, that. I love the name. Thanks. And it all, it it made sense for us because we had this very strong network. It's almost a half a million users or followers on Twitter and it's the I Love Gay Network. So we have like, I Love Gay NYC. We have one for Calgary and Edmonton. We have these different Twitter profiles that are, uh, I Love Gay brand that are dedicated to regions around the world and also themes like theater and sports. And so they're all designed to stay very true to their niche. We only follow people that are in those regions. We post some content, but mostly we engage with others and share their stuff. And so this whole thing has grown, but it's only on Twitter. So when the pandemic had shut down and everything's just sort of ground to a halt work-wise, we thought, well, let's just kind of keep ourselves busy. So I created this video podcast show to just sort of talk to folks that I know and just see how they're doing during the pandemic and are they adapting? And we branded it, I Love Gay, and we distributed the shows through this Twitter network. It just cre- it has a life of its own. So now we've, we're doing a sh- uh, one or two shows a day, five days a week. Oh, and wow. Got, we got a lot like we just put, went up this morning and it was uh, the publicists that were working on a Wells Far- Fargo project. They, there's this whole Wells Fargo thing with these LGBT artists and they wanted to launch today with us for Pride Month. And so we've really grown up or now we've got more and more corporate, not just sponsorship, but organizations that are really eager to be able to have me interview them in order to be able to kind of help share their story with our audience on Twitter and. We also share on Facebook and LinkedIn, and it does quite well.
0: That's amazing. So what's the premise behind it? Is there a certain theme other than the LGBTQ community, or is, what's
1: the theme? We're, we're like a variety show, because I'll, I'll interview people that are in the travel world, mu- music world, and and the, and the crazy thing is I'm just responding, because a lot of them just come to me and say, you know, I want to be on your show. So they want to be on the show, and uh, but it makes sense from our perspective, because we do have this whole... I love gay network that does speak to so many different parts of the world and all the different themes out there. So for us, it all fits. I think that's make that's making more and more sense to folks that when they see this, the overall underlying theme is that, number one, everybody's is part of the LGBT community. But also we always add a little bit of a layer of business to it. So there's always kind of a there's always a business angle in some way, shape, or form because we're trying to help folks either with their business of marketing and advertising, mm-hmm. but also there's a lot of things that they could share that others will learn from. We interviewed somebody just right before this show and their whole world is about pride and and uh, working with companies to be able to develop out pride. So a whole strategy just based around pride, but when the way that we did the interview is such that others could learn from that and figure out how they would want to navigate the business world of pride as well. And that's a little vague, but if people start watching the videos, I think they would start to see that would be a kind of a common thread.
0: Well, I think that's great because it's entertaining, but you're also adding value and you're helping people. That that's sort of with my goal with this podcast as well is because I mm-hmm. want it to be fun at the end of the day and have people like yourself on who are interesting, but also if people can learn a little bit. So I think that's great, and it's video, right? Awesome. Video. And where can people find that?
1: Well, actually, it's easy. It's I Love K dot today. Uh, we registered that url so www.ilovegay.today and it'll take them to a website that has kind of a summary of the most recent videos and then links to the rest of them on youtube that's
0: great i don't know if you know the story about joe rogan i actually heard this story the other day which i found was interesting and it just reminded me of when you were talking about you just would get together with your friends and start talking and that's how we just started right he just started for fun he just started and he did it like yourself got on went live and started Mm -hmm talking to friends and having a good time. And it grew and it grew. And then he sort of went to um, Spotify and made yeah. a proposition. And now here he <laughs> is, right? But that's how we started. Just same thing. He's like, I just want to hang out with my friends and talk about shit,
1: basically. Yeah, yeah. Right? There's everybody's got a story to tell in that sense. And and it's kind of fun to bring that story to light. And that's kind of what that's sort of what I, you know, I'm tasked with in that sense. But I, I've learned that other people have enjoyed meeting and learning about these folks that I'm interviewing through my eyes. So that's kind of what I bring to the table is I'm able to kind of just. Be that conduit, so that they could have a chance to learn more about somebody else that they often find fascinating. And so, yeah, there's a whole there's a whole new world there.
0: That's great. So, what's your favorite part about it?
1: Yeah, uh, you been doing it for excited. how long?
0: Sorry, how long have you been doing it for now?
1: It's uh, over a year now. It's like a year and a month. So um, when COVID I started. started? Yeah, yeah. Right when, uh, okay. yeah, right around mid-April, I think, early to mid-April when I'm okay. 20. And so, but now yeah, my favorite part is, is that that's actually become the most exciting part of my day. I really look forward to uh, my next interviews. There are times when a publicist wants to bring somebody on and I don't really know them. And I don't do a lot of prep. They ask for questions. I send no questions. I give them an idea of the direction we'll go, but it's going to be purely conversational. It's going to be short. And we edit; it's not live, so but it's my favorite part of the day. is just It's just uh, right before doing one of those shows. It's exciting and exhilarating for me to just meeting somebody new or reconnecting with someone I've known for quite a while, and just having that chat, and then being able to kind of bring that to life online.
0: I agree. You know, I say this all the time. I would do this if nobody was listening because how no. would ha, what? What other opportunity can I sit down with someone like you? And where are you? Where are you living right now? Sorry, I yeah, know you mentioned Allentown, it Pennsylvania. Yeah, so you're in Allentown, Pennsylvania. I'm in Calgary, Canada. We're sitting here having this really great conversation about something that we're both passionate about. You know how much better is that? Doesn't get any better than that. So I, I, really? agree. I yeah, I agree with you totally. <laughs> so you said you have people reach out to you all the time. Do you say yes to everybody?
1: No, no. no. I, listen, I would say uh, <laughs> if you ask somebody else, they would say yes. I do say yes to everyone. Uh, Who
0: you say yes, or someone said that about you? Uh,
1: my business partner would tell oh, you. Okay. That. And my husband, he would also say like, I, he, they both tell me, I don't know how to say no, and, uh, but there, but there are times when things are just too far out there and, uh, and, and so forth. And I'm just kind of like, I, I try to make an, <laughs> make an excuse. I don't just tell them now. I hope they don't watch this and find that out. But, um, <laughs>
0: You know oh. what? It's hard. I never expected people would reach out to me and ask me to be guest. Same thing. And I didn't know what to do. And I had to get some advice because you also, you know, you, my show, especially being about branding and making sure that you're true to the brand. And if you said yes to everybody, that's why I was curious when you said people reach out to you. I, I thought if he says yes to everybody, like <laughs> that would be challenging.
1: There's something to be said about, especially on, on Twitter, with this whole I love gay network, we're very engaged with a, a lot of people there. And That's the number one source for folks seeing the show and then wanting to be on the show. So the upside is, is that in that case, we're already well aligned, meaning that we're speaking the same language, we're engaged with each other. That's how we work with influencers so much too. And so sometimes some of those influencers we have had on the show. So these influencers, they're not just on Instagram. Some of them are on Twitter and they're they're not just posting and throwing it out there. They're actually posting in ways that are engaged with their fan base and also with us. So mm-hmm. they'll tag us and they'll include us in things. And so there's this whole two-way street relationship going on. So then it becomes a very natural progression for them to say, oh, you know, you know I'm going to do such and such. And would you like, to, you know, can I be on your show? Right. It's a lot easier. Uh, everything is aligned at that point. So we're very fortunate uh, that we're able to have so many now that we're engaged with that way. That, that makes our life a lot easier.
0: That's wonderful. And you're on Instagram as well, too, you said, right?
1: I am, but uh, we're not, I'm not, we're not, not big fans of Instagram. Uh, we, no. we spend money on it. Why, through Facebook. Why we'll, aren't we'll you a fan the, of Instagram? because like, we'll spend money on, we'll, we'll, we'll do ad campaigns targeting Facebook, uh, porting that over into Instagram. So then on the Instagram feed, our clients will be able to have that book now or, you know, learn more and they'll have a link because it's a paid sponsorship thing. But otherwise we've just, uh, we find that Instagram, it's tricky because if you just try to do things organically and you're just posting photos of stuff, number one, there's really no link. So you can cheat and try to put the link in your profile. And, you know, and you see a lot of media companies will actually put a lot of text into there because they're trying to cram like a round, round hole, square peg. They're trying to force things in. But at the end of the day, the biggest Problem we believe is that Facebook is very successful. Facebook on a personal page because it's a two-way street. You, you can only, you, but you can only be connected to five thousand people, but there are people you have accepted in. So it's friends, family, professional colleagues. So it's kind of a it, you're engaged by default. And the same thing actually happens pretty well with LinkedIn, though not everybody realizes that. And that you can grow up to thirty thousand. So you can have a really serious two-way relationship. But on Instagram, you can only follow seventy five hundred. So 7,500 is your cap, which seems fine, except that if you're going to be successful, you need 100,000 followers. So you have to ask yourself, how do I get 100,000 followers if I can only follow 7,500? Because usually people, they're your friends or whatever, and you post and they follow you back. So you have to be a celebrity style. You have to be more interesting than they are in order to be able to have people follow you. So we all have to be a, a mini Kardashian. And that by default defines it as a limitation. There's a limitation to that. And that's why everyone's decided they want to be a instagram millionaire they want to they want to get a million followers and they want to have brands chasing all over them to be able to to share with those followers so there's just this whole industry that everyone's been jumping over themselves to try to get into so there's a lot of noise hard to stand out and so we have actually found that the other social media platforms, uh, and especially Twitter, are much better at building uh, building an audience and being engaged with your audience and building a brand and a business and so forth.
0: And what about LinkedIn?
1: LinkedIn's great, but it's uh, always a, it's always a more of a business conversation, and so that goes to the, similar to Facebook. So we will post most of our things on our LinkedIn personal profile. The business profiles are like Facebook ones, where they just don't perform as well because those are not an engaged two way relationship. It's a one way street. It means that you're following that page. You're following that company page. Anything that's a one-way street, one just one direction, by default is never going to be as engaging as the two-way street, which is a Facebook personal, Twitter. Twitter can be both. So a lot of people fail on Twitter because they haven't figured out that they need to turn it from a one-way into a two-way. hmm all yeah, I'm
0: still trying to figure cute. out Twitter myself. To be honest with you, I mean, I'm on there and I, I I follow a lot of people, and I'm just I'm still trying to figure it out I, personally. I like um, LinkedIn. I think it's great just for business. It's yeah. grown like crazy too, right? There's more people on oh, yeah. now in the last two years or eighteen months since COVID. It's incredible. So I'll have to check out your Twitter account. So if people want to learn more about Pink Media, where what's the best way for them to find it?
1: Yeah, on all profile on all the platforms, it's it's uh, the at symbol and then just Pink Media LGBT. So that's the profile across the board, and the website's pinkmedia.lgbt. LGBT. So how come no Q? All, because because with the dot, it started all with the dot LGBT. So dot LGBT, there is no dot LGBTQ, and oh, okay. so and all it's all been an evolution. Uh, there's a dot gay and a dot LGBT. So we decided to kind of for uniformity, we wanted everything to to match the website uh, URL.
0: Okay, and now it's even LGBTQ. So plus. If we keep going, be, right?
1: <laughs> and there can never be a plus in a domain name. So right. yeah, there are limitations to all this stuff. So we just try right. to. We try to go middle of the road in terms of what technology allows us to do.
0: Well, thank you so much, Matt, for taking the time to talk with me. I can't believe how fast the time has gone by. I've learned <laughs> so much. And so, do you have any big plans for um, Gay Pride? I mean, you guys are all opened up now, pretty much, aren't you?
1: Some Pride, some regions they're uh, they're keeping Pride virtual again this year, but others are are, are going for it. So, we're actually going to go down to Fort Lauderdale in, uh, in a couple of weeks. Uh, they're going to have a Pride festival, a Stonewall Pride, and. In, in, it's called, and so we're going to go down for that because we have some clients down there and so forth. So, and we're going to actually capture some footage for I Love Gay today and, and create kind of a a, a pride pride themed video as well uh, based on some of the stuff we capture down there. So that'll be fun.
0: Wonderful. Well, I look forward to following you. You know, what's interesting is that, and I don't know why this is, but Gay Pride in all over the world is June, and in Canada, and I think I don't know if it's maybe just Calgary, it's September. Yeah,
1: I think. I think part of that is TD Bank.
0: <laughs> oh, you do? <laughs> yeah. Are you joking?
1: You're I'm joking. Half, half joking. You know, TD I thought Bank, it was because of huh? the weather. Yeah, yeah, it's probably a combination of things. But you know, number one, there are a lot of prides. Like you'll have Phoenix Pride in April, then you'll have Palm Springs Pride in November. So you'll have you'll have a lot of Pride festivals. Uh, San Diego Pride's in July, June is the core of when a lot of them are in but yeah the reason i said td bank is because what's interesting is that td bank sponsors almost all of pride all throughout canada and the the folks the team the lgbt team at td bank they are really good at going from one pride to the next to the next to the next they they follow along and they're they have events themselves themselves they're physically there and so they need the Pride festivals to be spread out or otherwise that that whole formula won't work. So I've often joked with them that I think, and they've kind of winked at me and said, you know, there is some truth to that, that Pride is kind of spaced out for the sponsors like TD in order to be able to be more a part of all that and present. Uh
0: Okay. I did not know that. That's excellent. Okay. One more thing before we go. I have one more question for you. So speaking of pride, I just thought of this. So can you share where, why pride started? Because I think it's an interesting story.
1: It started as a protest and you're seeing that more and more that Theme, that that concept is being thrown out there much more on social media where people are saying they want to re- they want us to all to be reminded that it did, it's not a it wasn't a a festival and a big party it was a protest starting with stonewall and then from stonewall in 69 starting really in new york with these uh these protests that turned into a parade and so it's been an evolution over the years and so you know i think it's great that there's so much positivity and pride and that so many organizations want to be a part of that, but especially in today's world, there was an SNL sketch that, uh, just came out last week, I think, and they kind of poke fun at pride and it was well-received and it was smart. And, uh, part of what they did is that they all had their t-shirts and they were all celebrating, you know, rainbow for pride until they turned around and it was all sponsored by Deutsche Bank. And then, was oh yeah. Of- <laughs> right. and. Uh, but it really got a lot of play online. People talked about it a lot because it's the reality. It was SNL reminding us through parody that that it has kind of grown into this big corporate thing. And uh some folks want us to remember that it it maybe we should go back to some pride pride events being a protest again.
0: Well, the meaning where it came from. That's why. Thank mm-hmm. you for sharing that because I learned that today and I thought that was oh. really interesting. So okay. yeah, I didn't know that. Anyway, thank you for sharing that. Thank you for your time and everything. And um, I love Gay Today Show. I'm going to start watching it and following you.
1: <laughs> so well, thank you. It's been great to be here with you.
0: Oh, it's been great. Well, enjoy the rest of your week, rest of your month. And I will. will be in touch. I'm looking forward to staying connected with you on social media. Same here. All right. Bye. And there you have it. I really hope you enjoyed the conversation and maybe learned a few things to help you with your branding. But most of all, I really hope you had some fun. This show is a work in progress. So please make sure to rate and review on whatever platform you listen to. And if you want to learn more about the Branding Badass, that's me, you can find me on social media under, you know it, Branding Badass. Thanks again. And until next time, Here's to all you badasses out there.